It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. You know who it is. It's currently August, Monday, August 16th at 7.09 p.m. It's a beautiful day. Mm. Chaz, how are you doing today? Sorry I did the intro backwards. I do that <laughs> when I don't look at the at the script when I start the episodes. It's all good, man. I'm having a great day, John. You know what it is. Just like you mentioned, beautiful day in Montreal. Had a great weekend. Excited to come back, talk some ball. Had a, a hockey game the other day, so got to readjust to the basketball mindset, but it's not too hard. You know, we just get dubs on every surface we play on. Multi-sport athlete, nothing but W's caught around here. Yeah, I have no coordination for any sport other than basketball, but I'm very coordinated at basketball. But you try to get me to do anything, and I mean, come on, Jazz, you've golfed with me. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. There was a bench-clearing brawl at the hockey game, and I was just, like, standing around shooting on an empty net while, like, eight <laughs> grown men are just fighting in a corner. And I was just there, like, this is not what I need to concern myself Excuse- with on a Sunday evening. <laughs> Excuse me? You, you play beer league. What? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, well, this team was particularly aggressive. Like, I do have literally cuts on my leg from slashes that I got yesterday and did talk a lot of smack to one guy who just, like, hacked the absolute crap out of my leg. And then I proceeded to score, like, 20 seconds later and just really, like, went way too crazy can't say any of what i said to him on this podcast because we try to keep it pg around here and then somebody else ended up punching him in the head like 10 minutes later and i was just like well i don't need to fight anymore i already got my anger out dude our our sport is for such softies <laughs> yeah that's basketball... for such softies man mm. although that one fight apparently they made the malice in the palace doc i don't know if you had a chance to watch it neither i haven't but i've heard it. it's very very good and I'm excited to take a look into it. I I have to watch it still. I'm really excited. I saw a Jo on a on a on an interview about it, and I I looked at it, and then I did not open it. I was really busy. <laughs> it's a busy weekend for me. It was. Today's episode. Mm. I'm sorry to cut off the chatter. We gotta get moving. Today's episode. We're gonna talk about. We're going a fringe West Coast West Side road trip. Just teams that you wouldn't really call the West Coast, but they're still West Coast or Western Conference or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be looking at. The Los Angeles Clippers, mm. the Denver Nuggets, and mm-hmm. the Utah Jazz. We're also going to talk about the Eric Bledsoe trade. So we will be talking some Memphis Grizzlies. And you, you know, know me. Can't. I love talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. Can't go one week without talking about the Memphis Grizzlies or I'm going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. And that, that John Moran last night stayed until the end of the summer league. To, it looked like they had to close the arena before he was able to sign all his autographs. Just one of the, the greatest dudes in the league. We love to see the young John, the young Grizzlies. we got to talk about him every episode. We love John. We love John mm-hmm. Morant, Super, future superstar. Mm-hmm. All right, but we start with the Clippers. Because Los Angeles Clippers are tuning up. Mm-hmm. I really think people are sleeping them on them even without Kawhi Leonard. They yeah. brought Kawhi back on a four-year deal. He's probably not going to play this season, is what everyone's saying. But hey, still, you got a, you got one of the seven, you got Kawhi back for four years. That's huge. Mm-hmm. They are Reggie Jackson on a two-year, twenty-two million. Got Nick Batum. For pennies, yeah. Two years under seven million. Justice Winslow, two years, eight million. Mm-hmm. They drafted Keon Johnson, Jason Preston, and BJ Boston, three guys who I actually, you know, ranked on my big. Bo- I, I, I did, I did like a draft board, and like I went to a certain point, and then I was like, these are the guys that I would just take flyers on. 
Hmm. Uh, they were all part of the guys that I considered like ranked on my big board that I was like, these are legitimate prospects that are worth looking at. Yeah. Not that some of the guys lower weren't, just that these were guys that I was like, I know enough about them and I know they're good enough. <laughs> they also traded Patrick Beverly, Ray John Rondo, and Daniel Oturu for Eric Bledsoe just last night, actually. Mm-hmm. Very, a lot of stuff happening for the Clipperland. Very exciting offseason for them. And I mean, the, especially their draft, I really did enjoy. And I know John will we'll talk about it a little bit. So if you want to just go on and, and let us know what you thought about the Clippers and I'll tell you what what I thought too. <laughs> I just got to say, I actually loved this offseason for the Clippers. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. Uh, I mean, any, any offseason where you lock up a top seven NBA player on a four-year deal, is yeah. a great offseason in my books. There's just no no discussion. So no question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Reggie Jackson, he looked like a stud last year. There's a chance it's fool's gold, but still, he was more than serviceable guard during the re- regular season. $11 million a year is pennies to a guy like Steve Ballmer. Mm-hmm. Batum, his contract's an absolute steal. I'm yeah. shocked he didn't get a full MLE offer from some team. Cough Dallas, cough Dallas. Uh, Eric Bledsoe gets a lot of trash, and rightfully so, but he's still a good veteran guard if he sucks you don't need to play him because you drafted three guards this year uh yeah i, I mean mm-hmm. i'm moving through these way too quickly hold let's let's slow it down <laughs> i talked about a lot of things i i yeah. took a lot, a lot of things right there i mean the, to bring it back quickly the Kawhi leonard deal it's something i've said with some of the other off-season things we've talked about anytime you're able to bring back your superstar 100 you have to do it him and Paul George, both on the same exact contract for the next four years now. That's something I'm sure they're automatically makes it a great offseason for them. Nick Batum, like you mentioned, an incredible steal. He even looked great for France when he was in a whole new system this summer at the Olympics. He's going to fit right back into what they do. He's going to be incredible for them. Mr. June back. And Justice Winslow, I think, especially with Kawhi out for this upcoming season, has a real shot to do a lot of what they would want from a ball-moving wing off the bench or maybe in the with the starting five. One of the things that I looked at with this Clipper roster is they just have so much flexibility now, I find, in what they can and can't do. There's so many guys that are just so much so very positionless in their two, three, four range that mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be a matchup nightmare all over. I definitely agree with a lot of that. I mean like <clears throat> look, I I fully agree with you on Kawhi. I'm fully with you on Reggie. I am I was pretty. I was a little lower on Reggie than others. I mean, I thought he was amazing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but still, like, people are talking about like fifteen, like multi-year, fifteen million a year dollar offers going out to Reggie. I was like, let's calm it down. Eleven million for two sounds just about right for what his market value was. Mm-hmm. And what's it called? The uh, Batum deal is what's just crazy to me. I cannot believe that no one's no one's hitting that. I just cannot believe that. Yeah. He's going to be so good on this team next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of his value was just in being like the last dude, you know, on a lineup. And you have yeah. Kawhi and Paul George and Batum just gets to run around and be an extra rim protector and hit open threes. But mm-hmm. I, I do not get who he's not getting an offer. I think he still has a, an opportunity to fill a lot of that role. I mean, obviously Kawhi is an irreplaceable dude, but Marcus Morris is someone who we've seen step up before when he's been given the ball in his hands a lot more. And so he's going to provide a lot of what Kawhi does for them, at least offensively, in terms of trying to get up to that 22, 25 a night, which we haven't seen him do yet. I think Paul George is obviously going to take a major step for them going into the season. But for their offseason, I think especially their draft, one of the things you mentioned, they they got Keon Johnson, Jason Preston, Brandon Boston Jr. 
all these guys, they also weren't the original Clipper draft picks. Every single one of them was traded for on draft night. And to me, that's that's a sign of really good business and a sign of real confidence in your scouting group and who the guys that you want to go get. Like Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger as the, the president and GM of the Clippers saw these three guys, knew they were going to be hopefully around where they were going to be picking. And as soon as one of them went off the board, they called the team and they're like, you know what? Send you a future second, a little bit of money. We want to make sure that this guy is on our roster next season. And I think that's something that shows a lot of confidence to these young guys that like, hey, we want you to be here. We want to give you the time to, to develop and be great, but you're also going to play right now. They're all signed for the next three, four years on their deals. And I think they all have a really good shot. You mentioned they were all on your board. These are guys that up and down the list, I, I'm fans of all three of these dudes. I've been watching them for a couple of years now. Jason Preston, I mean, that story alone, from from Twitter to the NBA, basically, at this point, <laughs> is an incredible tale. So to get these guys who are all hardworking dudes, all keep your head down, grind it out, guys, into a gym with the rest of these Clippers, I think it's a recipe for success for all of them and something that's going to be, be pushing them a lot through the next season to try to earn minutes. Because we've already seen young guys on the Clippers like Terrence Mann just explode out of nowhere. People weren't expecting it. I mean, me and you could have told people about Terrence Mann, but the rest mm -hmm. of the world didn't know he was like that. I think there's a lot of guys on this Clippers roster now that are going to be continuing to fight for minutes to try to prove themselves while Kawhi's not there this year as to who's going to be on this team long-term. And it's a it's going to be a really exciting chance for a lot of these young guys. Definitely. I mean, one thing that I want to talk about that I think the Clippers did a really good job with, um, okay, I, I didn't... So they used part of their MLE to sign Preston and BJ Boston to three-year contracts instead of the usual two years. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that. I like getting these guys locked up for a longer term on these short, on these small deals, especially guys like Preston mm -hmm. and Boston who are kind of like hit later kind of guys who they need to yeah. develop. Preston needs to develop a bit more. BJ, you're just kind of hoping that uh, college mm -hmm. was a bad year for him and he'll do a lot better. But giving them a little more time in your system is huge in my opinion. Yeah. I think a lot of smart teams are using these the MLE to sign players for longer deals, and it's cool to see the Clippers doing it. Mm. I don't like how they use the rest of their MLE. I watched a lot of Justice Winslow, man. Mm -hmm. I watched a lot of Justice Winslow. I don't like watching Justice Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> he he definitely has struggled to to find his path in the NBA over the past few seasons. Yeah, I mean, just like looking around, like yeah, you probably could like. I don't know who else you could have gotten. Maybe you get Tory Craig. Mm. Maybe you get uh, David Nwaba. Even though both of those guys took a little bit longer deals, a little bit higher term deals. Maybe George Hill. I, I I don't know. I just don't love the idea of tying that money into into Justice Winslow. Maybe, maybe a Trevor Ariza is mm. on the market. Just some guys I just think I would have rather had over Justice Winslow. But maybe he flourishes better in uh, with the Clippers somehow. Yeah, I, I mean, know. he likes having the ball in his he likes having the ball in his hands, and I don't see how he gets the ball in his hands on this team, especially with the Eric Bledsoe trade that just happened. Mm. And I, I like. Do we want we want to pivot to the Eric Bledsoe trade really quick? Sure, if you want to talk about it. Look, I I the Eric Bledsoe trade. Mm -hmm. No, 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 we're not moving to that yet. Actually, we're not moving. To that. There's so much more we need to cover before then. <laughs> I the Eric Bledsoe trade basically stuff. brings in just another guy who's going to be handling the ball over Justice Winslow, most likely. Mm -hmm. I don't know with with the Memphis Grizzlies they were doing everything they could like oh yeah we're going to play him off the ball we're going to play him on the ball we're going to give him so much ball time he's going to be the backup point guard he's going to be and he just couldn't make it work <sighs> mm -hmm. 
I don't know what the Clippers are hoping they're going to find. Maybe they just turn him into a shut up and defend kind of player. We'll see. But uh, using the extra MLE money to get Preston and Boston in for extra for extra long was great. Mm-hmm. Keon Johnson, another high upside guy, is just great. Like that's what you need. You have one season where you don't really have Kawhi Leonard there. You're not making a run this year. Take some mm-hmm. high upside flyer guys. See if you can get one of them to pan out, two of them to pan out. Mm-hmm. See if you can at least find something there. And then oh, we need to flip some guys. We need to keep some guys. Like Terrence Mann, his I have it. I have the cap sheet up right here. Terrence Mann, mm-hmm. his he's on a club option for twenty two, twenty three. Yep, but he has clearly built himself some value. Mm-hmm. You could totally send him somewhere at the end of the season after he continues to build value. If Preston and Boston have shown stuff, then you should feel even more comfortable doing that. If you're trying to keep loading up on more talent around mm-hmm. Kawhi, but basically, like you're, you, you, this should be a year for more minutes from Preston, from Boston, from Keon Johnson. Those guys should be getting the touches that they need to show off what they can do. Mm-hmm. In I my opinion, I think that they will get a lot of minutes. Just to go back to Justice Winslow for a second, I think he he has a chance. The Eric Bledsoe trade definitely puts a little spanner in the works for what he would be able to do for this team. But I think he still has a real real shot to run the, the ball in his hands a lot on that second unit because Reggie Jackson, as much as he is, I guess, technically listed at the point guard, he is more of a scoring guard, in my opinion. He's not as much of a playmaking guard. So I think with him and Justice Winslow as a potential backcourt with Terrence Mann out there and Nick Batum alongside them, it allows Justice to have the ball in his hands, at least to bring it up and to set the table, but then also have the ball movers on the floor to keep the constant off half court in constant motion and let him not have to create as much through the dribble, which is something I, I think he struggles with a lot and hasn't really found his method of being able to bring the ball up with and then attack as well. He's more of all set the table for you or I can attack off a catch guy. Mm-hmm. But I think w- even with Derek Bledsoe, he'll have a chance. I'm really excited to see what happens with guys like Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris this season. As much as the the young guys, I think, should and will have a chance, especially back to the 82-game schedule, I I do expect this Clippers team to be taking some business decision days off here and there, especially not expecting to go to a championship this year. And like you mentioned with the 2023, I think Luke and Mook right now, Kennard and Marcus Morris, are going to have a chance to really establish themselves as quality starting NBA guys, guys whose contracts are worth their value. And then when they go into that 2023 offseason, the only guys they have on roster, Kawhi, Paul George, and then those two major contracts and the three rookies from this class. So if they can find a way to maybe move one this season and one next season or both of them next season, then they can really set themselves up for an exciting free agency for the last two years of the Kawhi, Paul George which is, I think, what one of the best parts of their offseason to me was, yes, they gave Justice Winslow maybe more money than he should, but it's only two years. Nick Batum is on a small deal who they'll hope to bring back, I'm sure, after 2023, but he might be retired from the NBA at this point. Like, Nick Batum is one of the older guys. So I think for the Clippers right now, they're really just hoping that, yes, the young guys get a lot of development time, but I'm also really excited to see what Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris can do alongside Paul George as the number one option. They're going to need to be big shooters for them, big offensive contributors, and really earn their money to be able to be valuable pieces in the NBA this season and for the next coming years. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i going to get a little more into the Marcus Morris-Luke Kennard contract a little later. Not mm. really, actually, so I'm just going to say it now. I really think that those guys are kind of trade chips in all ways to this this Clippers team. Mm-hmm. Yes, they trade all their first-round picks to uh, to OKC, they haven't traded any first-round picks since then. Yeah. Every year, they're unlocking more first-round picks, 
They're bringing in guys because they still get some first-round picks. They can still trade the guys out right after the draft. They got Keon Johnson with their first this year. They got mm-hmm. Terrence Mann, who you know they got Terrence Mann, who's a breakout prospect. Mm-hmm. They got all these talent. Like they can use those in trades around Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris to go after bigger fish, to go mm-hmm. after some mid-sized contract. In theory, you mean in theory they'll have. Uh, I don't have their picks in front of me, but they should have like two or three picks that they can give up. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris, some combination of Keon Johnson, Terrence Mann, Jason Preston, BJ Boston. That's a fair trade package for a pretty good player. That won't get you a Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. but it could get you a pretty middle level, middle, middle of the pack level player, yeah. like someone who can actually make a make a needle moving uh, impact. That's 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 enough to go get Lonzo Ball, in my opinion. <laughs> and I mean, we just watched him go for nothing to the Chicago Bulls in a sign and trade. Yeah, but that's enough to get a Lonzo Ball level player, like a good starter, a good strong above average starter. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's why I think this season, especially for them too, is just going to be trying to. The Clippers are just trying to boost their trade value, yeah. get them as many shots as much as they can, get the offense through them, and they'll be they'll be looking to do as much as they can. It's it's pretty exciting, honestly. I I do I would say that this Clippers team had a great offseason as well. I think that they were just they position themselves really well, not only for the future, but for the now with what they have going on with what Kawhi Leonard and a team, like you mentioned that didn't have a lot of first round picks and is just slowly waiting year by year to get them back for, to be able to have rookies on longer deals, like with Preston and with BJ Boston, as well as shorter term contracts so that you can have more cap space available to you every off season really lets them assemble their team as best as possible around their two superstars. It's, it's been some pretty well-managed team over there in, in LA, and I'm I'm happy to see the Clippers staying competitive, even though Kawhi Leonard's not going to be there this season. I definitely, and, and one thing that I think is actually interesting. So they were at 17 guys on roster yesterday. They did this trade with the uh, with the Memphis mm-hmm. Grizzlies for Eric Blood, so they went down to 15 now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see them cut one more guy, free up one more open spot. Yeah. Um, the two guys that I would look at that, well, obviously the first one is Yogi Ferrell. He's mm-hmm. on a completely non-guaranteed contract and it doesn't get guaranteed until January 10th, almost two months into the season. Yeah. That's the date that every contract gets guaranteed, by the way. So if you have any non-guaranteed mm-hmm. portion, once you hit that day, full guarantee. Cha-ching. So he's, you know, Yogi is sitting there praying for January 10th to come and go. Mm-hmm. Serge Ibaka. Yep. He just had back surgery and he's on the wrong side of 30. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen if he's likely to start the season or not. I can't find any solid things on that. But either way, he missed half of last season, and he wasn't spectacular the other half. Mm-hmm. I I imagine that one or both of them is gone. Like there's not a strong buyout class this year, mm-hmm. but there's a couple of guys who you expect to be in that class that could be noodle movers. Like Gary Harris is someone who I think is getting bought out. Yeah, and. Gary Harris is good. Mm-hmm. How about that? Like Gary, Gary like right now the uh, the Orlando Magic have what four young guards: Mark Fultz, R.J. Hampton, Cole Anthony, and Jalen um, Suggs. Jalen Suggs. I was saving the best for last. <laughs> I don't know where Gary Harris fits in there. Mm-hmm. I imagine he gets bought out. He also is the kind of guy that would fit great on a contender, just being getting able to play off ball next to guys uh, next to guys who uh, mm-hmm. are happy to dominate the ball. That's why he succeeded so well with uh, Nikola Jokic in Denver. Mm-hmm. Now, Ricky Rubio, who might get bought out. I'm not sure what Cleveland's doing up there. 
uh, yeah. Thad Young, maybe Kevin Love. They all are guys that could hit the buyout market. Mm-hmm. You could sign them. You get their non-Berber rights. You give them a small race for next season, which is a small advantage when competing for the minimum guys. Not that I'm certain all those guys are minimum guys. And there's, mm-hmm. I have a whole list of possible buyout guys. There's a lot of possible buyout guys. I would not be surprised to see uh, yeah. someone get bought out and the Clippers clear up a spot. So I wouldn't. So seeing Yogi or Serge get dumped would not shock me at all. Also, yeah, dumping I'm... dumping Serge saves like I think forty million dollars for uh, for the uh, Steve Ballmer's pockets. But I'm just mm-hmm. going to operate under the same assumption that every other pundit is uh, is using that Steve Ballmer is happy to pay every single penny because he is the best owner in sports. Yeah. Um. Sorry, every, every other owner, like he just <laughs> like, uh, any any owner that's okay putting their 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 cash down like that to get a winner. That's that's just that mm-hmm. that makes you a great owner. And the way that Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger, Winger have been able to use that to their advantage has been huge. They have all these mid to large sized contracts that they can trade pretty easily. And like Ballmer's cool paying luxury tax, so it works great. Like look at look at their cap sheet right now. Paul George at forty at, at forty, Kawhi Leonard forty, Bledsoe eighteen, Marcus Morris fifteen and a half, Luke Kennard twelve point seven, Reggie Jackson a little uh, about 10, 10 change, Serge Ibaka mm-hmm. just under ten, Zubak seven and a half. Winslow four, Batum three, and then you got the rookies on their little deals. Mm-hmm. You could easily start picking and packing and popping these deals around. Yeah, pick up some good sized contracts. Pick up some good players on oversized contracts. Pick up some all right players on undersized, all right players on undersized contracts. Um, mm-hmm. If Stephen Adams is getting moved again, you could probably pick up Stephen Adams just to look at a name that I I, I start opening random sheets to see who's available. <laughs> If Derek Favors is playing well, you could pick up a Derek Favors. Mm-hmm. There's tons of guys that are going to be around on the earth. Portland starts. If Portland starts disassembling, Yusuf Nurkic, Yusuf Nurkic, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, all totally good. Derek Jones Jr. All totally good players that you have the contracts to match for. Mm-hmm. You uh, Norman Powell probably is stuck there until for a little bit, but. Uh, if they want to, if they want to save a little money, they could be, they could be trading all these guys for your, for your guys to either get long term, longer term deals or some cap flexibility, and especially that Eric Bledsoe contract. But mm-hmm. like one, one thing that I like about the the, the one thing that I thought was really cool about the Eric Bledsoe contract is just the way it's the way that it happened. The Clippers yeah. traded Lou Will for a two year Rondo contract that had a high high price tag attached to it. Mm-hmm. They combined that with the expensive Pat Bev salary to trade for Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Now, a cheap owner would have made them sell Bev and Lou Will for cap relief last year to help afford the massive luxury tax bill that most owners don't want don't want to pay, especially because no team wants $20 million committed to backup point guards. <laughs> I expect trades like this, like, trades like this are, like, why I think they're cool paying Kennard and Morris so much. They're okay taking these longer term deals because they know they can flip them. Mm-hmm. And the Eric Bledsoe deal, the Clippers gave up Pat Bev, Rondo, and Oturu. They also created an $8.3 million trade exception. Yeah. Is that necessarily going to be used this offseason? This season? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Might not be. 8-3, there are some good players that under that mark that they could go and get. Plenty. Mm-hmm. They also cut their roster down to 15 without incurring any dead cap, which is a huge win, especially mm-hmm. when dead cap do- still gets taxed like luxury tax. 
Yeah. Very nice for Steve Ballmer's pockets, even if they are nearly in influence. Mm-hmm. And even if you're low on Eric Bledsoe, I, I don't see how this deal is a loss for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that Pat, you know, I get that Pat Bev is tenacious and a dog and whatever. And Bledsoe is like struggling as a shooter. Like, Rondo mm-hmm. and Pat Bev are not like elite shooters either. Mm-hmm. Pat Bev has been all pretty good recently, but he's not like a, some elite shooter. Bledsoe's a great ball handler, driver, and defender. He's yep. strong enough to not get bullied by the Lucas of the world. He's fast enough to defend the point of attack. I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm, he, he does everything that like, he, he does everything at a good enough level. Even if he's not your starter, I'm not, I don't know if he's a starting quality guard anymore. He kind of really struggled in Milwaukee and then they won a championship the moment they traded him, which mm-hmm. does not look good for you. Um, yeah, but mm-hmm. like, he's still good. He's still clearly good. And the defense is real considering they didn't have anybody. They didn't have any guards that they could play that would be able to guard guard uh Luca last year and they mm-hmm. had to play him for two playoffs in a row probably something you should address and again he moves the ball he knows how to play point guard he knows how to play the one yeah and he what a lot of what Eric Blezzo does offensively too for me is a lot of people complain about his shooting and yes it has not been good over the past couple of seasons and they're obviously going to want him to be working on that I believe he's obviously consistently working on that he's in the NBA I would assume he practices those type of things never (laughs) a lot of what he does is is attacking the basket penetrating forcing the defense to collapse or collapse or at least keep an eye on him and then getting the ball out to the right shooters or keeping it in motion in the half court and then getting back out to the three-point line I think that's a lot of what the Clippers want out of a point guard you know like everyone would obviously love to have Steph Curry or Damian Lillard but the reality is not many people can do stuff like that. So when you get a guy like Eric Bledsoe to put alongside for now Paul George and hopefully Paul George and Kawhi next year, you get someone who can cause defensive problems and force them to have to either keep an eye on him at all times or collapse to the paint. And then when that happens, you create so much more space for your wing scorers to either get open looks, force people to get to have to beat them on closeouts, and then you get the easiest blow-bys. And it allows the Clippers to just keep moving offensively a lot more nicely than if Pat Bev is attacking the basket and throwing wild behind the back passes. And I mean, I'm a huge Rondo fan as well. I think he's a loss for whatever team he's on that doesn't have him anymore. But there's business decisions have to be made from time on time out. And Eric Bledsoe is giving you a lot more minutes, a lot more consistent play than Rajon Rondo is at this point in their careers. And that's a big factor for the Clippers in this season. Like Rondo is not going to be a starting point guard for 75 plus games for the Clippers this season at 25 plus minutes a night. They're going to hope Eric Bledsoe does that. And he's going to need to do that this season for them. And then next year, yes, his things that he doesn't do very well, hopefully they'll be able to mask better. Yeah, I, I, I really like... Okay, I, I would not like this deal if Kawhi Leonard was still there. Mm. But with Kawhi out, I just really think that they needed another guy who can play make and drive to the basket and kind of get his own shot. Because mm-hmm. kind of, they kind of don't have a lot of those. Like, you look up and down the roster, and you're basically just counting on Luke Kennard <laughs> to mm-hmm. be, like, your third... Like, it would be... Your, your primary playmaker is Paul George. Your secondary yeah. is Reggie Jackson. And you're counting on Luke Kennard to be, like, your third scorer. Mm-hmm. Nice to have a little bit of insurance for that. Even though I believe in Luke... Yeah. Having a little bit of insurance in Eric Bledsoe is a really good move, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe next year, maybe next year they will. I, I don't know that I love it as much next year, mm-hmm. 
But without Kawhi having Bledsoe as the last first-tier playmaker, I think it will work well enough to keep this Clippers team competitive this season. And he's just another ball mover, another guy who's going to get to the basket, create shots. That's going to be huge. And the be- the big a big part is just like I talked about with uh, when they traded for Rondo's longer deal so that they could trade it. Mm-hmm. Bledsoe's got a large salary and a small guarantee. Yeah, He's useful as a trade ship both this season and next offseason. They could probably use Bledsoe if they want to get one of the Knicks guys. Say they really like Fournier, what he's doing this year. You could totally use Bledsoe to get Fournier. Or mm-hmm. or say you like Eric Gordon on the Rockets. You could totally use uh, Eric Bledsoe to, get, to go get Eric Gordon. from uh, Or, or mm-hmm. Kelly Olenek from Detroit, depending on uh, what... like Kelly Olenek from Detroit. I don't know what kind of assets the Clippers are cool throwing in these deals. I don't know what kind of assets are going to be commanded. Mm-hmm. But... I kind of like all those deals. I think all those all those guys are totally like would fit what the Clippers are doing and like be be uh mm-hmm. could be useful people to pick useful players to pick up. Absolutely. Like uh, I'll say it again. Last time I, I will though. I think the Clippers have done a great job in this offseason positioning themselves for the now and for the future with the deals that are going to be very tradable in the next couple seasons, along with players who you just hope are going to go on a little bit of a run this year, maybe make the second round of the playoffs and just get some more experience for your young guys. And then you just bring in Kawhi next season, make the necessary adjustments when the time comes, and you're ready to go right back at it. And I think it's been fantastic. You want to look at the the Memphis side of this Bledsoe trade? Um. Do I want to jump to the Memphis side? Yeah, I think it's time to jump to the Memphis side. Uh, no, I want to talk about this guarantee really quick. I want to talk about this guarantee really quick because I'm kind of hating the way that NBA contracts are turning into NFL contracts, the way that, like, every contract has, like, a non-guaranteed last year now. Mm-hmm. And, like, cool, I guess. I, would, I don't know. Why Why are you – why is all the guaranteed money front-loaded? <laughs> I don't like that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> why is all the guaranteed money front-loaded? First, second, Eric Bledsoe is the epitome, in my opinion, of an actually good, useful non-guarantee. Mm. Who the heck is paying Al Horford sixteen million dollars to not play for them? Who is going to pay Mike Conley sixteen million dollars to not play? Mm-hmm. Like, short of them, be- short of one of these players being so injured, they have to retire. These these non-guaranteed years at the end of the contract are completely useless. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you can keep that last $10 million of guaranteed money. Make it an extra $5 million on the contract, though, please. No one is waiving that. No one in their right mind is waiving that and eating a $16 million cap hit for no reason. No, so you can get the wave and stretch back. You know, you mean you don't want to see the five years, two and a half million to Mike Conley until he's 55? Like, Oh, my God, don't start with me on that. Don't start with me and Luol Deng on that. Like... Okay, would it have been, like, how many big, like, yes, you see big contracts getting bought out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin. Yeah. They had to literally come out and ask for those buyouts. Yeah. If if you have the non-guarantee, I don't think they're coming out and asking for a buyout. I think they're asking you to please play me no matter what. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe, you know what, maybe I just explained to myself. Maybe that's why they put the non-guaranteed year in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I just still don't get it. I don't think it's a big enough non-guarantee, but Bloodsoes is so small, you could actually wave and stretch him, and then yeah. you're paying one three three a year for three yeah. years, and that's nothing. Or you wave him and you're paying four million once. And again, that's nothing. Yeah. Like I would be cool eating that cap. Like if that's a small enough guarantee that if I'm OKC and I trade for the Bloodsoe contract, I just wave him. 
Yeah, it's like, like who's holding services. $20 million? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they are. OKC has so much cap space. Maybe they are. But, like, if I'm the Spurs, I'm waving him. I don't need mm-hmm. to keep that money lying around. Yeah. All that's to say is I, I like the non-guarantee on Bledsoe's deal. I don't like the non-guarantee on a lot of other deals. <laughs> uh, before we move on to talking about the uh, Memphis side, I want to know what your thoughts are on the on the Clippers team this year. What's this season going to look like? I mean, if this team ends up with more than 50 wins, I'll be surprised. I'll be honest with you. I think they're lo- really looking at more of a, a potentially a play-in season for the Clippers, potentially one of those lower, like, five to eight seeds. And and it'll be up and down, but I think Paul George is going to have a great year. I've been a Paul George fan for a long, long time. I still think he's one of the best players in the NBA. I think right now with a chance to, to really take over a team, I'm really excited to see him. And someone who we really haven't mentioned, I think Zubak could be huge for them this year. If he takes mm-hmm. a little bit of a step, he's going to be a big paint presence. He looked like he was moving a little bit better last season. If he can get even a little more mobile this year, I think he has a chance to really make a name for himself. But I think it's going to be an up and down year for the Clippers for sure maybe like a 47 and 35 and they sneak into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season for the clips. They, they got to be excited to be moving to their new arena soon. Oh, are they moving to the arena? Down Hopefully in, uh... soon. I have to look it up, but I, uh, I'll i check one time. Steve where, Bomber where bought that place Where recently. is the new arena again? I think it's just the old forum. Like it's in Los Angeles. Okay. It's still Los Angeles. Yeah. I thought they were becoming the Compton Clippers or something. <laughs> Because wasn't there, like, an issue where he was, like, using eminent domain to, like, steal, like, take the houses? Super scumbag move by, uh, super scummy move, in my opinion. Mm. Considering that the, you know, local governments have shown, whatever. I'm not going to start getting into the economics of that, but I'm very against. What do you think of the Clippers season this year, John? Everyone knows I'm against (laughs) eminent domain because I'm not that kind of, I do my economics. My thoughts on the Clippers season this year is, like, look, we talked so much nicest about this team. And I actually think they're really good. (laughs) <laughs> I think they could literally be the five seed in the in the East. Yeah, <laughs> they Ugh. might they might be a seven to ten seed in the West because the West is just that good. They are just the West is just so much better than the East. Like, mm-hmm. I, I still think that this team might be better than the Grizzlies. But if Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back and is better and is just like he was two years ago, except a little bit stronger now, maybe actually plays a little bit of defense. Even if he doesn't play any defense, mm-hmm. then I don't think that they're better than the Grizzlies. <laughs> Uh, they might be better than Portland, depending on how the Lillard saga goes. But if Lillard's at 100 and fully bought in, I wouldn't like feel super mm-hmm. comfortable saying that. Yep. I still think they're solidly better than like the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unless someone takes like, unless someone on their team, unless the Pelicans, someone on the Pelicans takes a massive leap. But I still think this Clippers seems like a step below the Lakers, the Utah, the Phoenix, Denver, the Warriors, the Mavericks. All mm-hmm. those guys, I still think that they're right below those guys. They're not on the, they're not on that level. Yeah, not without Kawhi. Not without Kawhi. Still, very good team. Very excited to watch them play. I think it'll be a very fun season. Mm-hmm. They'll play some competitive games for sure. But Paul George is a little notorious for not coming through in the fourth quarter. So you could see a lot of Clippers uh, blown leads this season. That would be funny. <laughs> um, sorry, I don't know how to. The Lakers fan in me will never stop hating them. I could be employed by the Clippers and become their GM, and I'd still come. I'd still find a way to rip on the Clippers. Just trade everyone to the Lakers. No way! I would never do that. I would never do that. My first and foremost loyalty is always to the paper. Paper chasing, baby. Mm-hmm. You're paying me. I'm trying to find a way to make sure I never get fired. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Now let's talk about this from the Bledsoe trip for the Memphis side. I just had to get that uh, the the off season preview capped like that. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's a lot of people are really confused about this trade. And it's really frustrating to read about because people act like the Memphis Grizzlies haven't been one of the best managed teams in the NBA over the last few years. Pretty much since um, is it Chris Wallace, the old GM, since he moved to a consulting role, they've consistently been the best or top five FO in the league. Mm-hmm. There's a few aspects of this Memphis Grizzlies trade I want to trade. From this Memphis Grizzlies side of this trade, I want to address. I think the first is the goal of this trade was just to get rid of Bledsoe and his guarantee <laughs> for next year. More than anything. Mm-hmm. And I think they actually wanted a Turu. Or one of Pat Bev or Rondo to be their backup point guard. Mm. Chaz, which of those points do you want me to start with? I mean, at the top I was saying, I don't know if Daniel Turu is going to make the roster. So let me know why they want to keep the big fella around. Because I, I was going to say I'm very disappointed that I, I didn't think I was going to be able to see him in the NBA next year. I, I think they actually want Daniel Turu on this roster. I think they see something there. But mm. here's why. One for one. Bledsoe for Patrick Beverly matches salary. One for one. Mm. The Clippers wanted Rondo gone too to clear a roster spot. Makes sense. Yep. So that way they don't need to start buying people out. Memphis Grizzlies probably could trade him. Or they're cool buying him out. Mm-hmm. I guess. Or Turu's contract is fully guaranteed. Mind you, for a very small amount. Yep. But the Clippers have Yogi Ferrell's contract, which is completely not guaranteed. So if the Clippers wanted to still get that $8.3 million trade exception... They could have gotten it. Mm. They could have gotten it by including Yogi Ferrell instead of Daniel Oturu. The fact that they put in Daniel Oturu, if the Grizz took Rondo and Patrick Beverly, Beverly's contract, and Oturu's contract without a pick attached, one of those contracts has to be viewed as a as an asset. Mm. The one that makes the most sense to me is Oturu because he easily could have not been included in this deal, and it doesn't change a lot. It easily could have been Yogi Ferrell, that doesn't change a lot. The fact that Yogi Farrell's contract is on the Los Angeles Clippers, that he's a non-guaranteed, and that he wasn't in this trade for Daniel Oturu to be in the trade, and that there was no second-round picks, there was no anything attached, that's what makes me think that this was... Uh, yeah. That Oturu is the asset, and that they want Oturu. Mm. And I mean, I, I hope they do. I hope it's true, and I hope they give him a shot, because like I said, I really do think that he belongs in the NBA, and I think he has a great chance. I think the depth chart at that five position, four, five, four, five for the Grizzlies is a little concerning for him. I mean, you already have Jaron and Steven Adams who are going to be starting, and you'd want Jaron to play some small ball five to close it out. You got Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark off the bench already as two guys who could play the four, five. And then to bring in Daniel Torre as well as he's, I guess, a little bit bigger than Xavier Tillman if they want to play him as a more traditional five. But yeah, I definitely, someone has to be on that roster. I think the veteran guard, someone there for Jaw is very, very something that they're looking into. I think Rajon Rondo would be a great piece, but with him and Tyus Jones there, it'll be a little bit interesting because there's not going to be many point guard minutes either. So two of the three guys from this t- from this trade, it looks like, aren't going to actually be on the Grizzlies anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I cannot throw you off too much, can who do you think is actually going to end up? You think is a true staying there, and the other two guards are gone, or I, if you had to give me a percentage or something on uh, on who's actually there. So, okay, here's what I'm thinking is guaranteed to happen. One, two of Patrick Beverly, Ray John Rondo, and Tyus Jones are gone, I think. Mm. I think there's no way they carry all three of them into the season. I think they're carrying one backup guard because they already have Kyle Anderson, who's a playmaker. Yeah. I think they want to see more Jaron Jackson Jr. playmaking. They use mm-hmm. the Anthony Melton as kind of like a point guard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they want to keep all those guys. Maybe they wind up like... 
I just don't think that they traded Grayson Allen for nothing, so I don't think that they're getting rid of Sam Merrill. Mm. I'm kind of surprised they didn't stash Santi Aldama for a year. Mm-hmm. I I just don't see I don't see why you bring in Daniel Oturu just to wave him. If you do that, then take Yogi Ferrell and wave him. Yeah, absolutely. Clippers still get the trade exception. You still don't have to deal with the fat with picking up Yogi Fer- Ferrell. Like mm-hmm. there was no need. Like you need to find the like, the reason that they did this trade is there was a reason they did this trade. Of course. And I mean, I don't know that Ray, Ray John Rondo stunk it up for the Hawks. I don't know that you want Ray John Rondo coming in. Mm. Patrick Beverly is just such a wild card. I don't know how you, I don't know how you like feel confident in that. You know, like. I mean, you <sighs> you say Ray John Rondo stunk it up for the Hawks. He wasn't actually on the roster at the end of the season, but this is the deepest playoff run the Atlanta Hawks have been on in quite a long time. And it, for because what of it's the guy worth, they traded him for, Lou Will. Lou Will saved the Hawks season. Don't at me. Yeah, yeah, but maybe Rondo's veteran presence and his conversations with Trey Young throughout the year had a significant impact on him. All I'm saying is getting a guy like Rondo with that much experience yeah, I mean, and knowledge into the I, locker room itself. I wouldn't be shocked here. That I wouldn't be shocked. If they wound up, if if Rondo is the guard that they keep and they send Tyus Jones away instead, mm-hmm. they were okay benching Tyus Jones in favor of letting Justice Winslow play play point guard earlier, which we I mentioned. <laughs> I mentioned I wouldn't be shocked well. if Rondo is the guy that they wind up keeping. Uh, John Hollinger was tweeting about, "Wow, I wish that we had Patrick Beverly on the uh, on the uh, Grizzlies when we had Tony Allen." <laughs> I laughed at that. I'm like, that's a nightmare. I would, I would, I would, I don't know how I would watch any of those games. And I love Tony Allen way more mm-hmm. likable as a, an aggressive player than uh Patrick Beverly. Mm-hmm. But I just keep going back to, there's no reason you pick up three contracts to, to, to take your co- total guaranteed contracts up to 17. You're picking up two contracts of dead money without getting an asset. Yeah. Especially because this wasn't like a three team trade that came to fruition. Mm-hmm. They can't, they can't, you can't. So when you do a tr- trade, you can't aggregate the salary for sixty days. So mm-hmm. You can't match with another contract. So yeah. Rondo or Beverly can only be traded like by themselves for sixty days. That's why the Eric Bledsoe trade was just for Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Now, if they really wanted to, you could do like a a, a second, a swap of seconds. You know, we'll give you like, you know, like you'll give us. Well, you'll take the best of these two seconds, and you'll take this, or you'll take the, you know, this and that, and all that. There's ways to make it work. Mm-hmm. If you really want to match, like the little, the little de- deals, mm-hmm. but you can still trade them. You can't have three backup, good backup point guards on your roster. I mean, you can, but you can't really play Rondo next to Beverly next to Tyus Jones. No, you're running a bunch of a bunch of midgets out there. You can't do that. <laughs> But mm-hmm. there's a real market for backup point guards right now, and the Grizzlies have taken a serious position of power in which they can dictate the market. Mm. Let's say you're Dallas. Do you wait for October 1st to get Drogic, or do you take Pat Bev or Rondo right now, and then you get to keep Moses Brown because centers are the biggest players in the league, and therefore they have to be the best players, right? So you, you want to keep mm. Moses Brown, right? Yeah. That's why you have five centers, right? And Willie Colley-Stein. And Willie Colley's Jesus Christ. Um... <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, let's I mean, say let's say you're you're Chicago. Do you trade Kobe White for a ready now backup guard at the deadline? Mm. Or or what about Washington dumping one of Thomas Bryant or Montrez Harrell for a more proven backup guard than Aaron Holiday? I, like mm-hmm. there's there's all these options. Like 
for guys. Like, like okay, I sent you one yesterday, and I don't know how much you liked it. I, I thought it was interesting. Is um, Well, if the Warriors sent, like, Kevon Looney and whichever the minimum guys they were planning on cutting, and then yeah. either cash or picks to Memphis for, like, Tyus Jones or Ray John Rondo. Mm-hmm. The Warriors could embrace the small ball with Juan Toscano Anderson, Draymond Green, and Kuminga playing center, which was yeah. their best when they had JTA and Dre at center last year. Mm-hmm. They signed by Elisa. I don't see where else you play him but the five. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's definitely a real possibility. I think that there is I, – I just think, like, maybe the asset – maybe the asset – maybe the secondary asset is, oh, we can trade Rondo and Bev for more picks and we'll hold all these guys – but I'm still just the Oturu part just baffles me unless they really want him. That's what I keep coming back to. I mm-hmm. keep coming back to why the heck is Oturu in this deal? Why are they eating guaranteed money for nothing? Maybe we see a second Clippers Memphis trade later in the offseason where they're like, hey, we're going to scratch your back back. Yeah. Here's some money to pay for Oturu's contract that you bought out. I don't yeah, know. No. I don't I don't get it. Definitely a puzzling one. We'll we'll just have to wait and see what Memphis decides to do with all their guards now. I think Tyus Jones has got to be one they're obviously looking to move on on from. Hasn't really done much for them as a backup guard. I mean, he's shown hey, he's flashes. Been all right. He's been solid. He, he definitely belongs in the NBA as a backup guard on a roster, but on a team where John Morant already, you want to give him as many minutes as he can handle at the point guard. And then now you have guys like Pat Bev or Rondo to mentor him or come off the bench, Tyus Jones, seven and a half million doesn't start to look so good anymore. And so it's something that they could definitely be looking to move. But yeah, we're just at this point, they have so many backup guards. We just got to wait and see what Memphis decides to do. Cause they're the ones with all the power. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to be interesting. I, I like how you keep bringing up the mentorship aspect. Cause usually I think that's a load of uh hua. <laughs> but with Rondo, he's one of the smartest players in the league. Yeah. If he's actually okay. Being a mentor, I think that that would be huge for, for, uh, for uh, Ja, if mm-hmm. Rondo's cool, just chilling until the trade deadline and then getting, tra- then getting traded. A la Hawks. A la Hawks. <laughs> or even just Pat Bev. And, you know, here's how you be the absolute most biggest dog on defense. But mm-hmm. I don't think Ja can play that way on defense. So, yeah. I Not think really. he put himself in a little bit too much of a vulnerable situation defensively. It's uh, Don't need him getting hurt playing that Pat Bev defense. I'd rather just see him on offense a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Let Rondo teach him how to find every single pass the NBA has ever seen instead. How about- <laughs> All right, we've gone forever on this Eric Bledsoe trade. Uh, let's get back to the matter at hand and talk about Denver. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to go too long. They're basically running it back. Yeah. They got Austin Rivers, Jermichael Green, Will Barton. They signed Marcus Howard to a two-way. Mm-hmm. They drafted Bones Highland at number 28, and they replaced Paul Millsap with Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. Austin Rivers got the minimum. Jermichael Green got two year seventeen. Will Barton got two year hair under thirty million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Green got two year nine million. Second year's a player option at four and a half million. Both years, both years are four and a half. Mm. I really like this offseason for the Denver Nuggets. Um, but the more I look at it, the less I like it. <laughs> unless one thing, unless I'll, I'll talk about, unless this offseason was a show that they're okay paying the luxury tax, mm. then I'm okay with this. But if it's not that, then I'm a little skeptical about this offseason. But if this offseason was to show, hey, yeah, we're ready to pay. We've got Nikola Jokic. we got Jamal Murray. we got Michael Porter Jr. we got Aaron Gordon. We're ready to pay the luxury tax. We're bringing in guys. We're bringing in hoopers. Mm-hmm. So, Chaz, do we want to start with the good or the less good? It's up to you. Uh, let's start with the less good and then bring it back to the good after. All right. Let's start on the negative note. Uh... 
less good. It's not negative. It's it's actually good. It's just not as good as the start. I think that the top, the top, the cream of the Denver offseason is uh, the cream of the crop, but mm. the middle is not as awesome. Will Barton is back on a two-year declining $30 million deal, mm-hmm. and the Nuggets are definitely going to be in the tax next season. If, okay. The, the them signing this deal screams either they're trading him or he is definitely or the team is ready to be in the tax next season. Therefore, mm-hmm. the decline deal is very convenient. Even though Will Barton's role becomes weirder and weirder, the better and better Michael Porter Jr. gets. He's still a great scorer. He's a good defender. He knows the Nuggets system in and out. He's been a part of the Nuggets family for a very long time now. I actually forgot mm-hmm. that he was drafted by the Portland Trailblazers and spent <laughs> three seasons, two and a half seasons there. Yeah. Uh, he knows the ins and outs. It's probably not, it's not a huge overpay, mm-hmm. but he's getting, a, he's getting less than Gary Trent and Norman Powell. Those two guys are both better than him, but not by an incredible amount. Yeah. He got more than Alec Burks. A guy Barton is better than, but again, not by a whole lot. I was actually looking at their stats and they are way too close. I would, uh, <laughs> I would be a little, if I was Alec Burks, agent, I'd be uh, a little peeved. I didn't wait for the, for the first, for the Will Barton dime to fall first. Barton is going to be need, needing. Barton is going to be needed while Jamal Murray is out. Yep. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Barton move to the trade deadline in mid February or during the off season to save some extra room for Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr.'s extensions. Mm-hmm. Especially if Bones or PJ Dozier is stepping up big time and Jamal Murray looks happy and healthy. Uh, mm. But it's also like just like, like I said, it's entirely possible that this deal and the Jamichael Green deal show that the ownership is ready to spend. And if that's what this is showing, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. If not, I think this is a very tradable contract. You know, one guy, one guy that I named earlier, Alec Burks, totally could match into that trade. You could easily trade Barton for Burks. Mm-hmm. I first of all, Will Thrill, Tiger, Memphis Tigers legend. Absolutely love to see him get his bag. I I don't think it's too much of an overpay for him. Agreed. I think what he brings offensively and defensively, especially like you mentioned, knowing that system, being one of the more veteran guys on the roster right now, it's something that they had to do. And, and you talked about a pay in their players. I think that's something that ownership and that in general in pro sports, being able to pay your own guys who have been with you for multiple seasons, year in, year out, and have been growing with your superstar of Nikola Jokic and proving that they're willing to put in all the work necessary alongside him to try to be great then to be able to reward them by giving them contracts that people can potentially call an overpay, but you know what, you're keeping them with your organization. That's just great business to me. Firstly, it's you're showing the guys that are on your roster and sending a message to the rest of the league that look, if you come here and you play well, we will reward you and we want you to stay here. We will give you the money to stay here. If you're willing to sign the deals, we're happy to have you. And with Jamal Murray out this season, securing Will Barton is, was absolutely essential. I mean, no, 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 that, That's in the good. That's in the good. We're going to get to that later. We're going to get to that later. Your boy did his medical research. Your boy was out there le- reading. I read mm-hmm. a, I read a, me- I read a WebMD article. I read an article that ended in .org. I had to use Google Scholar. Mm-hmm. I was out there doing research. That's in okay. the good. Well, Jamal we'll, Murray is waiting. We're talking about Jamal Murray later. We'll talk about Jamal Murray later then, but for for now, for sure, the Will Barton deal, I'm a big fan of Demichael Green as well. Demichael Green, I mean, the best modern power forward, pure power forward in the NBA. Oh, you know, you're only... much you're much higher on this deal than I am already. <laughs> and 
and I mean, bringing in PG County's favorite uncle Jeff Green is is always a good signing for any type of playoff. Wait, wait, team. wait, you're moving on into the good. Hold up, hold up. You said you said start with the less good and then move on to the good. Hold up, we're starting with the less good. Hold up. Well, I don't know what else is in your less good. Uh, Jamichael Green. Mm. You you were president of the Jamichael Green sucks fan club all playoffs. I have not seen anyone lower on J- Jamichael Green than you were this playoffs. Oh, man. Mm. I mean, Jamichael in the playoffs definitely struggled, but I think that he has is, he's a regular season dude. And alongside Aaron Gordon, it took them a little while to figure it out, but they're going to get another year under their belt. And I think he, he's more than ready to go. I How many times lot- did I get a text from you, man? Jamichael Green down bad right now. Jamichael Green down bad God. Don't make, <laughs> don't make me pull run. out receipts. He didn't have a good run, but I still think Jermichael Green is a very quality NBA player. And two years, 17, alongside Nicole Jokic, just if Aaron Gordon gets hurt, there's not many people in the NBA I'd rather have not named Jermichael Green there. Paul Millsap is one. I mean, um, but look, one thing that I liked about Jermichael Green is that he looked bulkier than usual last season, mm-hmm. and I think he's just going to keep bulking up a bit more next season. Mm-hmm. And they're going to run. I hope that they're just going to run him as the backup five. I think that's where he was doing his best work. Yeah. As the backup five. Mm-hmm. Using him and or Zeke Najee as the backup five. Maybe some bull bull time. But, you know, pre- marrying Jermichael Green to that five position. Not playing him at the four anymore next to uh, Jokic. I think that that experiment went horrible. It, it failed the eye test. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it failed the eye test mm-hmm. miserably. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a playoff lineup, but I think throughout the regular season, oh, yeah. Michael Green can play next to him. Yeah, but I don't care about uh, – for a team as good as the Nuggets, I don't care about your regular season. Um, <laughs> now, we were definitely very tough on Green last year's playoffs, and I'm still really shocked that they brought him back instead of Paul Millsap, especially mm-hmm. after, like, they gave him, like, $100 million over three a couple years ago, and then yeah. what was it? they gave him, like, another big contract last season. I'm kind of surprised that the, they stopped showing him love. Maybe uh, he wanted more money than they were offering. Mm. But I think you've married Jermichael Green to the five. And then you have him next to a more athletic wing like Jeff Green or Michael Porter Jr. It might help his defensive limitations more so than mm-hmm. we played next to like the slow guys like Jokic and Millsap. Mm. I, I, I have hope that this deal that this will look really good. But I do think it was a bit of an overpay. Mm. And I don't really I'm not married to him as your backup five, in my opinion. And I, well, I, I just feel like Green is someone who is very likely to get traded mm-hmm. next season when the Grizzlies are hitting their luxury tax. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to pick one contract for like, oh yeah, we're going into the luxury tax. Ownership is willing to spend, but not uh, every penny. I'm expecting uh, Jamichael Green and a second round pick to be getting uh, called for every team. You know, oh how how about Kem Birch? How about Moses Brown? How about Serge Ibaka? How about uh, Robin Lopez? How about Mike Muscala? Or, or maybe if uh, Goga if um. Some of the other some other young players are doing well. Then you can see Goga Bitadze, Jackson Hayes, or Mitchell Robinson. Mm. All kinds of guys that teams might be moving on from that the uh, Nuggets would be throwing an offer at. And uh, just because I'm making calls now on trades, I want them all out there. After I called the Eric Bledsoe for for Patrick Beverly and Ray John and or Ray John Rondo, some combo <laughs> in my own head and didn't tweet it. I texted you, Chaz, I bet. Yeah. I didn't put it anywhere on the internet. So now I'm tweeting all my trade ideas. <laughs> Mike Muscala for Jamichael Green and a second round pick, maybe two. 
Mm. Putting that out there. You get a big trade exception if you're the Denver Nuggets. You fall, you you're, drop your payroll a good amount. It helps you better afford bringing in uh, both of your uh, your um, Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. I have no idea how much money Aaron Gordon is going to be getting in free agency. I cannot pretend I have any idea. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. it'll help. It'll soften, excuse me. It'll soften that luxury tax payment, which matters. Absolutely. I mean, it. you already kind of brought up one of the points that I have with the Aaron Gordon thing. And just sort of with Jermichael Green, you want to marry him to the five role. One of the, one of the more confusing parts about this offseason to me is is seeing how well Bull Bull does in the summer league and then deciding that the Denver Nuggets just don't seem to think that he's going to ever play for them in the NBA. That's the weird part that I don't get. Mm-hmm. I think it's about time they give him a shot. I, I don't, I don't so. know. I think, I think it's sink or swim time. I think his contract literally expires this year. You kind of wasted all the advantage of having a really cheap guy sitting on your contract for a long time. Maybe they give him an extension before the season kicks in, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you do in this situation. And then you talk about their, their guard play. I guess we can go over to Jamal Murray, but when I, I was looking at their roster, and it, is Faku the starting point guard again? Because Monte Morris seems can to I love Can I give my backup. pick for starting point guard? Go for it. I mean. I want Bones Highland. We know you want Bones Highland. I want I Bones Highland. <laughs> I want Bones Highland. I want Bones Highland pretending that he's Jamal Murray. But I called him getting drafted by the Nuggets, and I'm happy with that one. Mm-hmm. He, he can play as the one or two next to players like P.J. Dozier, Will Barton, Monte Morris, or Austin Rivers, who yep. can take the tougher defensive assignment and allow Bones to get in passing lanes, which is really where he excels on defense. He's like legitimately really good at that. He is not legitimately really good at defending people. <laughs> but he is legitimately really good at getting in passing lanes. You let Barton yeah. play play uh you let Barton take the tougher defensive assignment, or maybe you you start PJ Dozier and Bones and mm-hmm. bring Barton off the bench for a scoring punch so you can focus more of your offense through Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know exactly how they want to run this in Denver. I, I kinda like that saying it yeah. out loud. Um But like Bones' threat as a pull up jumper from anywhere on the floor we've been seeing in summer league. Mm-hmm. You can shoot off the dribble off the catch any way you can think of it. That that kind of skill set is just so good next to Nicole Jokic. Just look yeah. at Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Or, or or even on a lesser scale, look at Marcus Howard, who had nine points in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Marcus Howard, who's on a two-way contract right now, because everyone and their mother knows that he only got it because Nikola Jokic is a bucket getter and a bucket creator. And, oh, Marcus Howard can shoot from anywhere, so he's going to get points next to Jokic. Mm-hmm. Bones Highland can do that, but on steroids. Bones Highland can be your baby Jamal Murray until Jamal Murray's back. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. he tore his ACL in mid-April. Yep. So it's likely he's back by mid-January. That's nine months. Yeah. That's the return timetable on an ACL. And everything I've heard mm-hmm. is that he is at full speed. Is that he's already like full speed ahead in rehab. He's on top of it, way more ahead of it than he should be. He was out of the brace faster than people expected. Mm-hmm. Even if he's only back by mid-January, he'd still have half a he still have a month from mid-January to mid uh, mid-February, mid-February to mid-March, mm-hmm. mid-March to mid-April. Which is when the play-in tournament is. You got yeah. three months mm-hmm. to really get back to full speed, and people were like really freaking out about the, like people were really freaking out about the Nuggets guard depth. They forget that Will Barton and PG Dozier were both also injured, and the team traded Gary, traded Gary Harris while Murray was still healthy. So they were missing four of their top five guards. Mm-hmm. They got Barton back, Dozier back, Monty Morris, Faku Kambazo, and Austin Rivers are all there. Bones yeah. Highland is the real deal, and will fit great as a one next to Jokic. Mm-hmm. Like 
you're going to have seven really good guards. You got Marcus Howard on his two way. Like you almost have too many good guards. Yeah. No, and I, I look that's... around and I'm like, well, would I cut any of them? No. <laughs> I'm yeah. happy with this roster, with the way this roster is built. And I really think you can run a lot of really interesting lads with these guards and just, they're all guys that you kind of want to have around, around mm-hmm. Jokic, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, this team is definitely if Jamal Murray is back by mid January, I will be thrilled to see it. Personally, I'm always a little bit more skeptical of, of knee injuries, especially a full tear on an ACL. I, I always view that as kind of a nine to twelve month type situation because yes, he can be back in nine, but I don't think he'll be back to himself until at least March. So hey. it's more like an eleven to me. But hey, look, hey he, that's still time for the start of the season. Mm-hmm. That's if still time not, for the start of the season. If he's back by the time the playoffs roll around and back to himself, then that's going to be a very, very dangerous Denver Nuggets team. But I think it, a lot of what they do is getting me a little bit confused in Denver because I, I love what Jokic does, obviously. MVP of the league, going to come out and have another great season. And like you mentioned, they have a lot of good guard depth. But then I find a lot of the rest of their depth lies in kind of their three, four forwards that should all pretty much play the four for you in the NBA right now. And I struggle to see where they're going to have guys to really play and excel at the wing for them. Because for me, like Michael Porter Jr. should play the four next to Jokic. But then that doesn't leave any space for Aaron Gordon. Well, but Aaron then, Gordon, well, I kind of like Aaron Gordon, not a point of attack defender, but mm-hmm. kind of as just like, take the man, take the guy, find find the guy and lock him up. Like get on your guy and, mm-hmm. and defend him as Aaron Gordon. And then on offense, you kind of want Porter Jr. as your three and then Aaron Gordon, you kind of want him as the off-ball four, going mm. in the dunker spot, running pick and rolls where he just rim runs and uses his athleticism. And then you got Jeff Green, who's out there. He can do a lot of that same stuff as both of those guys where he's really athletic, but he's really good at cutting. He plays mm-hmm. off the ball. He doesn't need his touches. I kind of really love what they're doing because when you're with Michael Port, like we talk about with the Brooklyn Nets, you just need guys that can fill situations. Mm-hmm. When you got Nikola Jokic, you just need a billion guys to do the exact same thing and hope that four of them are playing really well. You need yeah. four guys that can defend above average and shoot the three from anywhere on the floor. Maybe they can drive a bit and secondary play make, but hey, not all of them need to do that. If you have four guys that are playing hard defense and hitting threes next to Jokic, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Mm-hmm. I think overthinking it, or positions and all that, I don't think you need to worry about that with this group of guys. Because Aaron Gordon can really cover everyone on the floor. Mm-hmm. Jeff Green, he can cover threes, he can cover fours, he can even cover some fives. Mm-hmm. My, my, well, Michael Porter Jr. has improved the defense every single season, so I don't want to make uh, any assumptions on who he's going to be guarding. Yeah. He's become, he was an elite weak side helper def- defender last year, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see what he can develop into this next offseason. Hey, I mean, anyone that knows me knows that I've been a little more uh... – tepid on these Nuggets teams the past couple of years. I've never been that high sold on them. And I, I'm going to stay this way. I'm not 100% sure about the roster construction, but Jokic is one of those dudes that kind of has to definitely make you rethink completely how you're building an NBA team. So maybe Denver mm-hmm. knows a lot more than I do. But hey, from, from what I see, I think that their wing depth is a little bit lackluster. And I would hope that they could bring in someone throughout the season to potentially fill that role behind Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton because I don't really know who's going to play off the wing bench for them other than, like, Jeff Green. Yeah, I was going to say they do still need another wing guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. I mean, I think you could play Barton at the three. Mm-hmm. 
I think that you're going to need to. I think you're going to need to play PJ at the three, but I do think having another buyout guy would be huge. Um, mm-hmm. Or if they make a trade for someone midseason, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's why they gave Jermichael Green such a big deal, so you could trade him. You see Denver in the top three in the Western Conference at the end of the season? I am not sure if I see them in the top three at the end of the regular season, but I, I think that this team is a contender even without Michael Porter. I think even without Jamal Murray, they might be a contender. Mm. Depending on how much Michael Porter Jr. can improve over this offseason, like he was looking like one of the best and most efficient scorers in the league before Murray went down, and then he continued to show it without Murray there. If this development keeps up for him, with the defense I mentioned, the offense is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. Then there's a chance that like and like and you know everyone else steps up and plays hard. There's a chance that this team is still a contender even with Jamal Murray back at like seventy five percent, eighty percent. But you know I'm hoping that he comes back a lot uh, closer to hundred percent. And if he is, this is a clear finals contender in my eyes. Mm. We we both watched what they did. Yeah, they lost what one game with uh, their big four. Yeah, out of like twenty five or something. Mm-hmm. There's a. Uh, I think that if they're all healthy, there's no ch- there's no discussion. This is a clear finals contender team. And it's also worth mentioning, Nikola Jokic is 26 this year. Yep. They're a young team. Built around a young star. Mm-hmm. That all of them could be improving this year. Absolutely. What are I, your thoughts, Chaz? I mean, I, I think this Denver Nuggets team is probably top five home court advantage going into the playoffs. But they're, like I mentioned, there's a couple of questions that I have for this roster especially with Jamal Murray coming back, when he'll be back, how he'll be, look when he comes back. But I I definitely like the composition of it. I think that they're poised to go on a good run. And whenever you have the MVP coming back, there's a, a great chance of, for a team success. I'm just, I, I got to ask before we leave, I picked three guard matchups. I want you to tell me which of these Denver Nuggets guard pairings you'd rather see starting. Faku and Barton, Morris and Rivers, or Bones and Dozier? <laughs> I mean, Bones and Dozier. Bones and Dozier. But uh, <laughs> what was the first one? Faku and who? Faku and Will Barton. I feel like Faku and Will Barton is the most likely, but I, my, my heart want, wants Bones and uh, Bones and Dozier. <laughs> and then you can play Barton as your backup three. Everything's solved. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, <laughs> all right. No, we're going to keep going <clears throat> to the Utah Jazz. Even though we're going really long, this is going to be a long one. Sorry, everybody. Hope you're in for the, ready for the long haul. <laughs> The Utah Jazz brought back Mike Conley on a very team-friendly three-year, $68 million contract. They got Rudy Gay for the taxpayer MLE. They got Eric Paschal for a protected second, but a real second, but mm. protected outside of the top 42, I believe. Yep. They got Hassan Whiteside for the minimum. Jarrell Brantley signed his qualifying offer, so he's guaranteed like $50,000. They could waive him, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't be huge. Um, and they also drafted Jared Butler. Mm-hmm. The only reason I like this offseason is because Quinn Snyder is one of the best coaches in the league. He quickly learns stuff about his team, and if he's able to do something about it, he does something about it. I don't think that he knew. I don't think he thought that he could do something about the fact that uh, you can't play Rudy Gobert and the five at the end of games. I don't think he had. I don't think he had uh, prepared for that, which mm-hmm. everyone you know everyone should have. But hey. Yeah, hey. <laughs> But hey, we only have been saying it for three years now. I'm sure Utah is pretty in love with him. They think that he can hopefully do that for them. Yeah, maybe they were just sitting there like we're paying him forty million. We need to find a way to use him. He's I don't know. Maybe playing. this is the year where he finally learns. I'm hoping for that, but I don't. I don't expect it. But even other than that, I think that they get got better. But a lot of that is just because I believe in Quinn Snyder to take a lot out of this roster. Mm. Like anytime you get Mike Conley on a deal this cheap, you're an offseason winner, in my opinion. 
Yeah. All-star guard. All-star guard, you're paying him tw- almost $20 million less than Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan over the same time frame. Mm-hmm. The final year is $14 million guarantees. Might help with dumping him. I-, I don't know. We talked about it earlier. I still don't quite get it, but hey. If he really sucks and needs to be bought out or if he wants to retire, I, I, you got the non-guarantee. It's going to be really nice. Otherwise, I think it's a pretty useless non-guarantee, but hey, still there. Yeah. It still gives you more options, I guess. Still more options, I guess. Still, $68 million and he gave you non-guaranteed money is just bonkers to me. Mike Con- I would say Mike Conley should fire his agent, but his agent is literally his father. So Yeah. I don't just know. One of, the ni- one of the nicest guys in the league just took, took the cup for the team. Maybe Dwayne Wade had some some role in that one. Maybe he gets an ownership stake when he leaves. <laughs> um, Rudy Gay, the taxpayer mid-level, is really good, I guess. Yeah. He was all right. I mean, he was good for the Spurs last season. And the taxpayer MLE seems like a good valuation of him. I just don't know. I mean, like his scoring off the bench was is going to be good for this team considering no one on the bench can buy a bucket. Other No one on that bench can buy a bucket. No one on the team can really buy a bucket outside of like Donovan Mitchell and Bogdanovich. I mean, Jordan Clarkson will get you buckets for a quarter. Yeah, I totally forgot about Jordan Clarkson. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be completely honest. Um, you get one quarter of Jordan Clarkson. Having someone else who can put the ball in the net outside of the second quarter of a basketball game is probably very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, big ups to what was the name of the award we gave him to? Best, uh, best player to watch for one quarter and ignore for three or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Best player you only hope would play for one quarter of your team. Yeah, best player to watch for one quarter of a game. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jordan. Um, so look, getting, getting Rudy Gay to go out there and get buckets, be a bigger wing guy. Good. And Pascal should help with a lot of the same stuff as Rudy Gay. Yeah. But I feel like his role, like pretty much overlaps entirely with like Rudy and uh, Joe Ingles. I don't really know where Pascal fits in any at the end, but like you got him for like a protected second. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know that I'm even going to complain. Like if he doesn't play, like that's the opportunity cost, like. I don't know how no one else got in on that. Yeah, no, he was just way too good to be given up for a second. I don't know how the the Jazz swindled that. I hope that there's some back scratching going on later in this this offseason or throughout the season to the Warriors parts as well. But no, I think for this this Utah Jazz offseason, it's th- there's definitely more question marks than the last couple of teams we've talked about. I think there's a lot of Rudy Gay, you mentioned. I love what he does on the floor. I think he's still a very good basketball player. But this Utah Jazz team is starting to have a lot of guys that do sort of the exact, exact same, same thing. thing. Again and again and again and again. And it's, yes, Quinn Schneider's a great coach. And I get that they like to run a system out there. But, like, this isn't college. Yep. You can't just put out five guys, teach them an offense, and have your next bench unit come out with a carbon copy of those same five guys and try to do it all over again. It doesn't really work like that in the pros. And then to have got like Gobert, Whiteside, Azubuki, all oh. taking that can is please... one fifth of your roster right there. Can I please, can I please, can I please <laughs> go for it? That's 20%. What is of your this roster. Hassan Whiteside <laughs> signing? I'm not low on Hassan Whiteside, okay? I, I, I actually like Hassan Whiteside. I remember watching him with Portland in the mm-hmm. playoffs. He did all right. He yep. did fine. Mm-hmm. Sacramento, I messy, messy. Presumably, he's out with the Jazz because they're going to give him an opportunity to play. If not, he could have gone like Cleveland, where they don't really have a backup big, mm-hmm. or he could have played half a season in like Europe or Australia to build value and wait for an injury. Mm-hmm. Utah used a first round pick last year on Yudoka Azabuki. He needs minutes already. 
Yeah. You drafted a traditional center with a late first round pick. This this isn't some plug and play wing who if he sucks you just move on. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who needs to get reps. He needs to play a certain role. Mm-hmm. His role is very defined. You, yeah. He comes out there. You know exactly what he's doing. He's this big lumbering. He's this big center. You're gonna use him like a big center. Mm-hmm. Now hear me out. He went 27, right? Yeah, I think around there. The three picks before him. I know it was. I'm just rhetorical. <laughs> I'm sorry. The three picks before him were R.J. Mm-hmm. Hampton, yep. Emmanuel Quickly, and Peyton Pritchard. Mm. The three picks after him were Malachi Flynn, Jaden McDaniels, and Desmond Bain. <laughs> that is six guys that are already rotation players in the NBA, all of which would be at least playing spot minutes on every single team. Mm-hmm. Yudoka Azabuki is the only one who is not playing at all. Yeah. I get using a late first on a backup big, but I don't get using a late first on a third string center mm-hmm. who fills the same role as your first and second string centers and who you don't want to use right away. What's the point of using the 27th overall pick on a guy who you're not going to play? Mm-hmm. You're trying to win games. Number you're like, one yeah, seed. we're going to keep Yudoka Azabuki <laughs> for the future. You signed Gobert to a five-year Supermax. When is the future? What future does he have on your team? When <laughs> when is this future coming where Azabuki's going to have a real role? Like, at mm-hmm. least go get someone who will fill in the rotation. I don't... I, this pick mm-hmm. is puzzling after two years. How are you not playing him? It's really a bad look, in my opinion, that they still mm-hmm. have not gotten Azabuki real minutes on the floor yet. Especially when they made that Favors deal with OKC to offload Derek Favors and they brought in a future second. They clear it was obviously to clear up clear up cap to be able to bring in Mike Conley on that deal and bring it back, bring in Rudy Gay as well. But what it, it looked like for a second there was like, okay, so we got some some minutes freed up behind Rudy Gobert here. We got some time for Azabuki to maybe come in and, and get those reps that he needs to learn to be playing at NBA speeds with NBA guards and guarding other NBA bays. Cause up until this point, I've literally only seen him at garbage time of games against other bottom rotation players or in like Utah jazz practice. Hey, you know, like I, I got, a, I got a question. Mm-hmm. How many minutes do you think he's played in the NBA so far? In two seasons, one um, season, one season. One season, definitely not more than 150 minutes. <laughs> Try cutting that down by a third. <laughs> He's played 57 minutes in one season of 15 games. Um, 15 games he has played. Fif- He's played 57 minutes. That's uh, just under four minutes a game for those who are doing the quick maths in their head. 3.8, baby. I just don't get how you're not giving him a chance at all. Mm-hmm. And then, like... You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Eric Pascal and Rudy Gay, both good additions to a team, both very talented basketball players, but two guys who are pretty much should be your bench three, four score bucket getters who aren't the greatest three point shooters, but can step outside and you want them with the ball in their hands to be effective. It's uh, it's some puzzling things. And Jared Butler pick, first of all, I love the pick. Oh yeah. Think- we haven't even talked about the Jared Butler pick. I love the Jared Butler pick. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the kind of risk you need to be taking as uh, that's the kind of risk that they should have told themselves to take last off season. Maybe they learned really quickly. Mm-hmm. Hey, at 40, we've got a guy who's probably a lottery talent or a low lottery talent, but has serious health concerns. Mm. We need to win this season. Let's take him. <laughs> yeah. Like he should just step in and be the backup, backup point guard. Right? Like if that doesn't happen, there's a problem, right? 
I mean, there's literally no other point guard on roster right now. Is there like, really not? Jo- like Jordan Clarkson potentially listed at a point guard. I would not call him a point guard. And then you're looking at Joe Ingles as your bench unit ball handler. Who was their point guard last year? Uh, Mione? <laughs> the last year's bench up guard, bench guard in Utah. Like, am I for? I would have to go look at the roster again. I don't even remember anymore. But I, uh, I feel like they didn't have a guard. Maybe they were running the Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles. Like Jordan Clarkson is classified as a point guard, so he's probably running the bench one for them. But the Utah Jazz just get shots up, move the ball around. Jared Butler is going to be great for them for that too. He's going to be able to get shots up. He was an above 38% three-point shooter in with Baylor. They're hoping he's going to be able to at least space the floor a little bit for them. And, I mean, I, I got crucified. Well, crucified for this. John and I had a debate about this way earlier in the NCAA tournament where I was coming out and saying that I like Jared Butler over Davion Mitchell. And, I, look, I've watched more tapes since then. I get the Davion Mitchell hype. I've watched have- more tapes since then, and I feel a lot closer to the way that you did then. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be real. The more tape I watch, the more I believe it. Like, the more I say, "Hey, maybe Jared Butler can actually contribute more than Davion Mitchell," uh, and that's not to dump on Davion Davion Mitchell. That's to all. put up Jared Butler. Mm-hmm. That dude might be able to really play, and if not, I really see him as someone who can fill a role. Like, yeah, because he's a really strong guard, pretty athletic. He's not like the fastest or the quickest dude, but he has a good amount of size, good wingspan to him. He shoots the ball well, and he could dominate physically throughout the game. And you talk about backing up Mike Conley, who's one of the more slender mobile guards, but also one of the smartest defenders and lateral movers that this NBA has seen in the last 20 years to give Jared Butler a chance to work with him on how to move defensively laterally with guards and to learn NBA defenses. I think that's going to be a great opportunity for him. And like we mentioned, there's really no bench ball handlers here. So he should be thrown right into the fold with Quinn Schneider, a defensive coach, I think he's positioned to have a great, great season too. I think I think he's positioned to have a really great career with him with a start like this. Getting like that's something that's underrated with when you're getting with when uh, with mm-hmm. where where players get drafted. Like assuming that assuming that Butler is healthy his entire career, which is not a, a given. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, there's a very good chance he has a better career than Davion Mitchell mm-hmm. because Davion Mitchell is drafted to be the third guard, whereas Jared <laughs> Butler is drafted to be the bench, also the third guard. But behind Mike Conley, who will retire soon, Dan Donovan Mitchell, who is you know a the bucket. one, yeah, <laughs> he's gonna get a lot more chance to learn. He's not gonna have to fight for minutes. He's gonna have a very defined role. They're mm-hmm. not gonna try and get him to guard uh, six foot eight guys like they yeah. were talking about today with uh, with um, Davion Mitchell. Mitchell. We, think <laughs> we liked how we guard Cade Cunningham in one college game, so he's automatically gonna be able to guard six eight NBA players. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That was just so bad. Like, yeah, he's three years older than Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham was like 18. Like, like, yes, I get that. He's going to uh, be the first overall pick. He's still 18. He's still going to get good. absolutely out muscled on so many plays by someone who is literally three years older than him. And has had three more years of practicing college basketball, like three more years of high level NCAAD one basketball. Oh, and not to mention the fact that, uh, one guy could actually rely on his teammates to do anything. <laughs> and speaking of teammates, I think one of Jared Butler or something Jared Butler should be really happy about. And I don't know what went on between him and the team, if he had any kind of role in this, but they recently signed his teammate, Macy Oteague to an exhibit 10 for yeah. a chance at the G league team. And already right off the bat, if you have a guy you draft in the second round 
and you're bringing his teammate in who they recently won an NCAA championship together. For me, it shows a lot of either respect and your young guys because he's telling you, you're like, well, yes, this guy is someone you should bring in, give him a shot. Or you watched enough film on this team that you're like, you know what? These two guys play really well together. We like what kind of chemistry they have. Let's bring them into our locker room and see what they can do. I, I more looked at it as saying, hey, we're taking Exhibit 10 guys. Let's go for someone who we know. Like in Utah, you know, they run a pretty rigid system, as yeah. we talked about. You know, they all run, they run the same defense all year and then get surprised when it doesn't work in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, Macy Oteague was part of that Baylor team where they were very rigid. Um, I can't remember the name of the coach right now. I'm going to be so mm. mad about it. You got me? Uh, not at the top, but I'll oh, get on. there a second. Give me that. For... But uh, they run a very tight system up in uh, up in Baylor. Scott Drew. Scott Drew runs a very tight system up in Baylor. Uh, it's not quite – it's not super rigid, but he's got guys. They know how to defend. They know how to play offense. They know how to fit in the system, and they know how to work. Mm-hmm. That is always appealing to an NBA team. And getting guys like that on your uh, exhibit tens is great, especially when they're you know one of your one of your new guys' college teammates get the they get to have that experience together playing uh, summer ball, playing preseason. You know, one will be in the G League, of course. Jared Butler will probably get a few stints in the G League, even though he's on the full time contract. Mm-hmm. Good, good move in my opinion. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like the the business of it. It's going to be a, an ex- interesting team for Utah Jazz, though, this year. I, I definitely don't think they'll be up at that number one uh, yeah, top was three gonna... seed in the West anymore. But they, they'll be a playoff team. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is going to take a major step this season. Not that he hasn't already, but I think we're going to be talking about Donovan Mitchell like an all-star starter this year, a top 10, 15 guy in the league. So we'll, we'll see where that is to go. But the Utah Jazz team is getting a little bit older. I could definitely see them falling down to like a five, six, seven seed more in the in the Clippers realm this year than up with the Lakers and the Nuggets and the Warriors of the of the Western Conference. Hey, I I think that they're still going to be absolutely dominant this regular season. Mm-hmm. They had the best nating rating in the league last year at plus fourteen. Mm-hmm. And look, the the two biggest 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 weaknesses were bad health and a lack of perimeter defenders. Mm-hmm. You can't fix health. And I don't know if they got any real perimeter defenders other than Butler, and I don't know that Butler is going to be able to step up and be a defender as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gay was not terrible at defending the perimeter, and neither was Pascal, so that's at least a step up from Rudy Gobert's perimeter defense last playoffs. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter for the regular season. No, it does not. They're going to be fine all regular season. They're mm-hmm. going to run into the same issue again in the playoffs. Because um, they're going to run into the same issue again in the playoffs, or Quinn Snyder is going to change his philosophy. But... Neither of those guys are better defenders than like Joe Ingles or no. or any of the other guys that they weren't taking that they weren't putting on the floor instead of Gobert to close mm-hmm. the game when he's getting pulled to the perimeter. Unless unless Gobert can make people pay for doing that, mm-hmm. then the ceiling of this Utah Jazz team is real. Yep, I just feel like that there's I feel like this is the same team as last year mostly, like especially in closing time. Last mm-hmm. four minutes, I still want them running. Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Bogdanovich, and O'Neal. Last four minutes, they're still going to run. Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, O'Neal, and Gobert. <laughs> Either way, I don't know what... I don't know that those lineups can compete with the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Warriors, or even the Mavs mm-hmm. if they're playing well under Jason Kidd. The, the Jazz are going to win a bunch of regular season games, talk a lot of smack again, and get smacked in the playoffs unless Donovan Mitchell can be a top seven player in the league. Yeah. can be a tier two superstar. Mm-hmm. My tears, not Seth. I, we were laughing at another <laughs> uh, another guy's tears because I don't know how. Whatever. Mm-hmm. People get paid to do this sometimes that <laughs> need to be evaluated by their employers more often. 
You just need to take a second and sit back and remember that the game of basketball isn't played. The game of basketball isn't played on a sheet of paper. It's played mm-hmm. on a hardwood, hardwood floor. Unless Donovan Mitchell can be the best player in a series or a top seven, eight player in the league, uh, or they get a playoff card like Portland round one, no Kawhi Clippers round two, and then Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals. I don't mm-hmm. see how these this team will get far enough to actually play. Like, I I, I don't know how this team is going to go that far. Like, yeah, they just they like the ceiling is real. And for the record, I think Donovan Mitchell could take a jump to Me being in that level as mm-hmm. well. But I even with that, I don't know if that puts this team over the top just because like the ceiling on this Utah Jazz team, like you mentioned, I think it, the ceiling is put on them by Rudy Gobert. It's not put on them by Donovan Mitchell. Like Donovan Mitchell could damn near be the best player in the NBA. But if Rudy Gobert is closing out games for them, it's going to present them with defensive struggles that unless Donovan is going to go down and literally hit every single shot that Rudy gets hit on him, it's not going to matter. Like, hey, I mean, I mean, I mean, he did that for the first two games of that Clippers series. Hey, it's it's possible. That's why it's there. But I think Gobert is that ceiling until he can learn to move defensively out on the outside where they realize that we're just going to sit him down for the last three minutes of the game and let our guys go outside. It's it's going to be an interesting look. We'll see what Quinn Snyder has to do because eventually that seat's going to get hotter in Utah. I don't think that she's ever going to get hot in Utah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that seat is ever going to get hot. I don't think that seat, as long as Quinn Snyder is happy to stay, I don't think that seat is ever going to get hot. <laughs> I just think, like, there's, you know, like uh, how Mark Cuban came out and said, oh, the grass is always greener, and then Rick Carlisle got fired. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think that there's much greener grass than Quinn Snyder. Like, the dude's <laughs> just a genius. The dude is a really good coach. He knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Questionable moves always, but a lot of that also comes from the front office. Mm-hmm. Like, Look at like if you look at this roster, it's like wait wait. Last year, you look at last year's roster, you're like wait, where is the players? Like why do we have like six rotation players and Jordan Clarkson? Like mm-hmm. why do I not have any options for the end of games? Mm-hmm. Going into this year, same thing. Why does he not have any options for the end of games? Unless Eric Pascal is really Eric Pascal or Mieoni really steps up, or or Jared Butler's like as good as Jared Butler comes out and is amazing, like. Mm-hmm. I, 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 he has no options for the end of games. No, like, yes, you can not play Rudy Gobert, but he's making almost forty million dollars a year. If you're not playing Rudy Gobert, you need someone who is going to show you why you're not playing Rudy Gobert. And unfortunately, they don't have a guy like that. I, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that either Pascal or Butler can or Oni Mieoni could step. I can't just say Oni. You have to say Mieoni. <laughs> it's such a cool name. It's, it's such, such a cool name. name. You have to say the full name every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if one of those guys steps up, maybe we're then I think you're chilling. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know that any of them are going to step up enough to justify sitting Rudy Gobert. And I don't know that as Quinn Snyder, you can justify to your owners, yeah, we're sitting the guy who we paid $40 million and then we still lost the game. Yeah. No, it's going to, there's definitely some questions that need to be answered in Utah. I'm excited to watch them try to figure it out this season. All right. We're at about an hour and a half now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's time to close. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I'm sorry this went really long. You know, we were just having a great time talking about ball and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, my family was blowing up my phone the entire time. Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> I'm busy. Okay. I'm doing stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. Podcasts come first. <laughs> um, family second. Family second. The money is first. <laughs> Podcast is second. The family is third. <laughs> Ball is third. The family. Okay. Whatever. Ball is third. <laughs> Families. Families falling down this ladder. We're not to cut this podcast before family falls out of the top ten. <laughs> family is no longer a tier one superstar. <laughs> um, 
this has been the Ball Talk Podcast. Um, <laughs> please keep liking, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. It really helps every single time. I know, like, oh, I did last time. Every single time you do it, it actually helps. Helps mm-hmm. us gain some visibility. Please keep following us on Instagram, liking and commenting, putting us up, spreading us around. Um, at Ball Talk Official. At Ball Talk Official. Please check us out. Check mm-hmm. me out on Twitter at Jay Z Sock. I treat my tweet tweet my trade ideas. Malik mm-hmm. Beasley for Colin Sexton and Larry Nance Jr. Um, until next time, thank you for tuning into Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby.